Well, this morning, we're so glad to have with us um, Pastor Richard Fogel, and uh, he and his wife, Wally, they've They've been involved in, in my life and Kim's life for a lot of years. I was calculating like 33 years now, I hate to say. <laughs> but, um, but they also served as interim pastors here at First Assembly of God. And so we're so glad to have the Fogels with us here this morning. So will you give them a warm welcome this morning? And pastor's going to come. Amen. And God bless you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So good to be back again to visit and to see everyone. Uh, God is good. Can you say amen? I, I hear the pastors as we're preaching in different churches. Uh, the pastors go through. They're on uh, Twitter and Tweaker and uh, everything else in between. And I say, thank you, Lord. You, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so good to see Pastor Tim and Kim and knowing that God is using them and continue to use them to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And though I look at some of you, I sort of recognize some, but uh, you still have your mask on, so uh, you're going to have to live with my face. I, I can get away with just half of yours, okay? <laughs> well, praise God. It, it's, it's exciting to know that even in a time like this, God is faithful. God is faithful. It's quite interesting that, you know, there are 30 miracles that you find in the, New, uh, in the Gospels in the New Testament. 30 miracles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are 30 miracles that are mentioned there. But do you know that there's only one miracle that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels? It's mentioned in Mark, mentioned in Luke, John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only one that's mentioned four times. I want you to put on your thinking caps a little bit, you know, when you think about that. And when you, when you see something like that, you have to say there has to be a reason for it. Out of the 30 miracles, God picks one, and it is, it's, it's, it's incorporated in Scripture. It's incorporated. The tax collector talks about it. The disciple talks about it. The physician talks about it. And the revelator talks about it and gives us this one miracle over and over again. I, I, I personally feel that God had a reason for that. And I believe that the reason was something simple, that as the gospel of Jesus was going to be preached throughout the world, God wanted people to know that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the God of more than enough. He is the God of not just enough, but he's the God of more than enough. God wants you to know, God wants me to know, that no matter what our needs might be, that he can supply our every needs, even in the time that we're living in, in the struggles that we have, in, in, in the upset and, and, and all of that's going on around us, we know that we have a God that is able to meet our every need. And so he, com he combines in, in the four Gospels this one miracle over and over again. And the Word of God tells us that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And so we see the repetition and in hearing it. We, 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 we read it over and we hear it and, and, and we begin to uh, understand it. We begin to perceive it. And by so doing, we begin to believe it. And by believing it, we begin to act on it. Can you say amen, church? Not only hearing, 
not only perceiving, not only head knowledge, but it is heart knowledge. When you and I say, yes, this is our God, and he causes us to act on it and to believe him. I believe that God that we serve is more than enough to meet our every need. Can you say amen? A young woman was ushered into the principal's office. She was a teacher. And she sat down. She was quite new at teaching, and she thought maybe she had done something wrong. And the principal began to talk to her and said, well, listen, the reason why you're here is that uh, we're, we're starting a special class next semester. And we have a group of kids in this school that are so unruly that are so disobedient that we can't do anything with them. And so what we've decided to do is put them all in one class, and we want you to be the teacher. She looked at him and swallowed hard. You can be sure of that. He said, now, wait a minute. Don't worry about it. We don't expect much. If you can just keep, keep them from killing each other, that would be, that you'd be a success. And, and the course of the conversation was going back and forth. Finally, the principal's phone rang, and he answered. He said, listen, I have to leave for a moment. I'll be right back. And so he left the room. And so she was looking at his desk, and on the desk there was a red folder. And as she looked at that red folder, she saw the names of these kids and their IQs. And all these kids had good IQs. She realized that they were not, you know, slow learners. They, they were not, uh, had any kind of disabilities. And so... She left that room with this determination. She had an expectation that she was going to improve these kids, that she was going to work in such a way that she could get these kids to perform. And that was her expectation. The next, when the year started, every day she went to school, every day she went to class, she had an expectation that her kids would do well, that her kids would excel. She had that expectation that she would accomplish what needed to be done for those kids, and she expected it, and she worked for it, and sure enough, at the end of the year, she had the best class in the whole school. She received accommodation and praise. And she was back in the principal's office again. And this time he was just, he was all smiles. And he said, oh, he said, man, you were tremendous. He said, you've done a tremendous, those kids have done fabulous. They've done so well. And, and she said, you know, sir, I can't take all the credit. He said, what do you mean you can't take, you worked on, yes, I did, but I can't take all the credit. He said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you know, when I was in your office, you left for a moment. He said, he looked, he said, he didn't really remember that. He said, well, I, I saw that, I, I saw the, the, the red folder on your desk and I saw the kids and their IQs he said you saw the kids IQs he said yes and so I had an expectation that they could do well he said wait a minute he turned around and he fumbled around he pulled out a red folder and he showed a tree he said do you mean this he said that's it the kids with their IQs he said that's not their IQs that's their locker numbers <laughs> but what was the reason Ex say it with me expectation say it again expect say it again expectation now i'm going to hit you what did you come to church expecting what do we expect from god what are your expectations day by day hour by hour moment by moment what are we looking god he is the god of more than enough now we believe that we read about it we we, we know it's true are you expecting come on church say amen hallelujah we ought, yes, give the Lord a clap offering this morning. You and I can expect great things because we have a great God. And how wonderful it is that you and I can believe God for miracles. That we can believe him. Listen, when God brings the Jews out of Egypt, takes them across the Red Sea, the first thing he talks to them or says to them 
And this, he, says, he says this to them. He said, he, said, he said, I am the God who heals all of your diseases. I am the God who heals all of your diseases. You pick that theme up in the New Testament. The apostle Paul, as he writes, he says, excuse me, in, in, in the gospels that are written, it talks about Jesus healing all that came to him. All that came to him. God wants you and I to know that he's the God of more than enough. He healed them all. God is still the healer today. He's still the miracle worker today. He is still more than enough to conquer every sickness and every disease that's represented in this house. Can you say amen? He's still able to do that because he's the God of more than enough. And that's so great that you and I know that in the time that we're living in. That he is more than enough to meet you right here, right now. And set you free from whatever is holding you back. Whatever has been troubling you over, over your, your lifespan. So many people live. You say, well, I got to live with that. I got to live with this. I, 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 this, is, this, is, this, is the, this is the cross that Jesus... No, 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 no. He's the God of more than enough. You and I develop a heart of expectancy, walking in faith, walking in belief, looking to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, then he will come and he will fulfill his word. One of our ladies at church was rushed to the hospital. And she was dying. I received the call in the office and I rushed down to Passaic General Hospital, went to see her, walked in the room and there she was. She, she had more, you know... Uh, tubes in her and so forth and so on than, than you could imagine. Well, I did my pastor thing, Pastor Tim. I prayed over her, and I was walking back to my car, and now I'm planning her funeral message. And for some reason, I stopped, and I looked up to heaven. I said, God, are you going to heal that woman? God spoke to me. Uh, I, I believe I heard his voice in that parking lot. Maybe nobody else did. But God said to me, you do what you're supposed to do, and I'll do what I'm supposed to do. The next day, she went home. <laughs> and I can't tell you, no man, there's no man of great faith and power. It wasn't me. Hallelujah. It was God. And that stayed with me all these years. He said, God said, you do what you're supposed to do, and I'll do what I'm supposed to do. You do what the word tells you to do. You believe God for what God tells you to do. And God is faithful. Come on, give him a clap offering this morning, church. Hallelujah. I believe that God is able to meet our every, every need, whether it's physical, whether it's financial. You read in Psalm 37 and verse 25, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread. Then you open to the New Testament and you find in Philippians chapter, chapter uh, 4 and verse 19, Paul says, my God shall supply all of our needs uh, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And I like, like that verse. There's a little word that really speaks to me. According. He didn't say out of. Out. I'm, always, I'm always worried that we're not going to have enough, you know. At dinner time, you know, as a kid, we, it was all men in my family. It was my, my three brothers and my father. And, 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 the, and the plate only went, went around once. <laughs> if you didn't get it the first time, there was no seconds. <laughs> but God knows it. He said, wait a minute. He says, according to, you know, if it was out of, it means if you're taking something out of, you diminish it. You know, you're taking something away. You're diminishing it. He doesn't say that. 
God says, I, 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 I want to bless you. I want to heal you. I want to minister. According to that God's, uh, God, God's uh, power and, 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 and all that God has has never been diminished no matter how many years. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he'll do again today. Come on, church. Give him praise in his house this morning. Hallelujah. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 11, it says this. I, the Lord, will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and there will be sufficiency in your house. You will be blessed, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Let me tell you something, how important it is in the times that we're living in that we recognize that we have a God that is more than enough. I tell you this morning that God, the God that you serve, is indeed more enough to meet our every need according, according, according to his riches in glory. You and I can stand on the promise. You and I can stand on the promise. It says he became poor that you and I might be rich. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, you and I walk in divine favor. Whether you like it or not, whether you appreciate it or not, you walk in divine favor. We forget that. You know that? We, we, we lose sight of that. We, we, that. we walk in divine favor. A story of a young man. This is a true story who uh, was quite handy, and uh, he, he was working, and he needed extra money, but because he was so handy, he would go out to yard sales and flea markets and pick up different things and fix them and, 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 and then sell them. One day, he was driving along, and he saw this, that, you know, uh, it was a yard sale. He pulled into the driveway, was looking around, and he found an old Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And he was looking at this thing. It was beat up. It was, it was, it was dented. It was rusty. It, was, it didn't work. And he's looking at that, but it was a Harley Davidson. It was a Harley Davidson. Finally, there was an old guy sitting on the porch. He said, is this for sale? The old guy said, yep, 30 bucks. You buy it, you keep it. Uh, and he thought about it. I said, well, maybe I could get this thing. It's a Harley Davidson, Pastor Tim, a Harley. So, you know, he said, well, maybe I get it to work. He said, I can get more than 30 bucks for it. That's for sure. So he bought it. He had it in his garage for a few days, then he started to work on it, pulling, taking it apart, and he saw the parts he needed to get it to run, so he called the local Harley-Davidson dealer, got on the phone, and he said, listen, he said, I got an old Harley, I need some parts, he said, well, the guy said, well, tell me, what, what's the serial number? He had the serial, he rattled off the serial number, the guy typed it in the computer, and then there was silence for a few moments, and then the fellow came back on the line and said, listen, he said, uh, give me your name and address. He said, oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to give you my name and address. He thought maybe the thing was stolen. They're going to blame him for it. He said, no, 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 nothing like that. That's a good thing. Someone will call you tomorrow. So he gave him his name and the telephone number. Sure enough, he got a telephone call the next day. Very authoritative man was on the phone, introduced himself. This is so-and-so. I'm a vice president here at Harley Davidson. I understand you got one of our bikes. Young man said, yes, I do. He said, would you do me a favor, get a screwdriver, and, and go and take the seat off the bike? He said, okay. And he grabbed a, a screwdriver, took the seat off, brought it in. And he said, does it say anything on the seat? The kid looked at it. He said, no, it's just a black leather. He said, no, no, turn it over and see if it says anything on it. So he turned it over and cleaned it off. He said, yeah. It said, to the king, love Priscilla. He said, young man, I've been authorized to offer you $300,000 for that motorcycle. It sits in, today that motorcycle sits in Jay Leno's garage. He paid a half a million dollars for it because it belonged to the king. Who was the king? 
Elvis Presley's first motorcycle. He paid 30 bucks for it. And he got 300. Wait a minute. It was still broken. It was still dented. It was still rusted. It still didn't work. But because he be it belonged to the king, it had value. You and I belong to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. You and I have value. You and I have purpose. You and I have power. You and I have liberty. You and I have joy. We have peace. We have life. We have blessing. You are blessed. You have, you, you, God favors us. Come on, church. Give him a praise offering this morning. Hallelujah. We are a blessed people. The Bible says it this way. In the name of Jesus, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Did you hear that? Goodness and mercy shall follow you. It tells us in the name of Jesus. We'll be blessed in the city. We'll be blessed in the field. We'll be blessed in our homes. We'll be blessed in the storehouse. Because you and I are a child of the king. We're a child of the most high God. And he's the God of more than enough. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is more than enough to meet your emotional need. I don't know about you, but we had a great Thanksgiving. I had a 14-pound turkey all to myself. <laughs> My poor wife, she's going to be eating turkey for a week. <laughs> but you know, there was something missing on Thanksgiving. The kids weren't there. The grandkids weren't there. The great, well, the great great grandchildren in Spain. But, you know, nobody was there. Just, you know, that has an emotional impact on you. Can you say amen? But, you know, how many times we walk around feeling the pressure and the stress of the age that we're living in? But the Bible says, the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is full. You see, you see. In his is fullness of joy. The kind of joy that God is talking about is not the kind of joy that the world gives and the world can't take, can't take it away. It is not the kind of joy that is based upon or predicated upon our circumstances. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord that we have is predicated on relationship with him. And don't get joy mixed up with happiness. I always have the joy of the Lord. You and I always have the joy of the Lord. I'm not always happy, especially on leftover night. But I always have the joy of the Lord. Because that is my strength. That is your strength. Circumstances can change. Problems can come. But the joy that God is talking about is based on a relationship with him and we know that God is still upon his throne. And we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, no matter what the circumstances might be, we have a God that never changes. A God that is always there. And I want you to know, church, if, if God delivered you yesterday, he'll deliver you today. If God blessed you yesterday, he'll bless you today. If God set you free yesterday, he'll set you free today. If God, hallelujah, made a way yesterday, he'll make a way for you today. Come on, give him praise in his house this morning. Hallelujah. You can let the joy of the Lord be your strength. You can count on it. You can stand upon it in the midst of the storm. It makes rich and adds no sorrow because the God that you and I serve is the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And so God gives us this miracle four times and repeats it over and over again that you and I, that you and I would remember it. It's the feeding of the 5,000, by the way, if you haven't guessed it by now. It's the feeding of the 5,000. How many had 5,000 for Thanksgiving this year? Can you imagine feeding 5,000 people? I, I can just picture that in mind. Jesus is sitting there, you know, with the disciples. All of a sudden, they look up, and over the hill comes not just 100, not just 200, not just 1,000, but 5,000 people. And Jesus turns to Philip and says, Philip, where are we going to get bread for all of these people? Now, Jesus was testing Philip. Jesus was, was giving Philip a, a, a test over here. You know, he said, Philip, how, how are we going to feed all of these people? How, how, how are we going to pull the... Well, I want you to know that with, with the Lord, there is never a question of how he's going to do anything. When God looks at your life and looks at my life... He sees my life in its entirety from the moment I was conceived in my mother's womb to the, to the moment I leave this world and go to be with him. God sees everything that's happening. And he's made provision. Can you say amen, church? God has made provision for you and for me. And so he says to Philip, Philip, how are we going to get bread? He wasn't talking about the bread that you have on your dinner table or, or the bread that you can get at the grocery store. He wasn't talking that bread at all. It, it, he was talking about the bread of life. He saw these people coming. He knew they had need. He knew they had situations. They, he knew that they had challenges. And he said, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? How are we going to get bread to them? How are they going to get the bread of life for their daily living? How are they going to have the, 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 the ability, the wherewithal to get through and to make it through what they're facing and what they're going, what they're going, what's going on in their lives. You and I, as we face life, as we face the challenges of today, we need to be people who are willing to live their lives by the living word of God. By the living word of God. By the word of Jesus. You see, the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, is alive and powerful. The word of God has power to overcome principalities and powers. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever the situation might be, as you get into God's word, as you get into a relationship with him, you will find that he's there to meet your every need, that he can overcome. He can bring healing to, 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 to bodies that are filled with disease. It's the power of Jesus Christ that brings us to a place of salvation where we enjoy the blessing of the Lord. There's a power to, to deliver us from what the things that have kept us in bondage and keeps us enslaved. It is the power over world, over the flesh, and over the devil is found in the living word of God. Come on, give him praise in his house this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, the God of more than enough is our Savior. He is the one true God. He is the bread of life. He's the brighter morning star. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's able to satisfy every need. Say that with me. Every need. Every need. I know someone, you might as well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know that. No, I don't. But he does. And he's the God of more than enough. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. No, I don't. But he does. And he's the God of more than enough. He also knows what you're going to face tomorrow. 
and next week and next year until he takes you home. You see, so Jesus Christ, the bread of life, looks at Philip. He said, Philip, where can we find bread? Now, if Philip would just have taken a moment and thought that through, he would say, well, Lord, that, that's, that's not a problem. We got you. We got you. Well, what are you facing? We can say, well, where am I going to get this? Where am I going to get bread? Where am I going to get finance? Where, 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 how am I going to get? How am I going to meet this challenge? How am I going to get through this? To say that, Lord, that's not a problem. We've got you. You are the bread. You are the bread, Lord Jesus. You are the faithful one. You are the one that is always there. You see, we have a problem of looking at our own resources instead of looking at the resource. Remember, we're talking about the God who's more than enough. And you'll never see him that way if you're going to look at yourself and your own resources. I think many of us here this morning can say amen to that. Let me tell you a good one. I was pastoring in Western Pennsylvania, and we were in a building program, and we came up short some money. And it was back in that day. It was quite. It was thirty-five thousand dollars back back in, in the seventies. That was that was big bucks. Thirty-five thousand. Well, I, I put on my business, took my business, put my business hat on, and I went to a different bank. And and finally, I found a bank, and and I, and I, I presented the need and and so forth and so on. And they said, "Okay, we'll give you a bridge loan for thirty-five thousand." I said, "Hey." Oh, Fogel does it again. <laughs> I announced on Sunday on church, hey, we got the money. <laughs> I felt so good about it. Well, that week I was visiting one of our shut-ins, which was part of the work that, you know, a lot of shut-ins. I had more funerals out that church than Carter had liver pills. I tell you. And so I was visiting one of my elderly saints, and we had communion together. We visited, and and we had prayer. And I was about to leave. And she said, oh, by the way, Pastor, I heard that you got the money you needed for the building program. I said, yes, I did. <laughs> she said, oh, he said, that's good. He said, you know, I was going to give you that money. <laughs> I, you see, I looked to my own resources and said, looking to his. Come on, give me an amen, church. How many times we do that? How many times we do it? You'll never have enough. If you look at yourself, if you look at your own resources, you might say, well, pastor, I don't know how I'm going to solve this problem. Remember, the Bible says that he asked this because he was giving Philip a test. He already, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus is the one in the know. You and I are in the one, we are the one in the test. We are the one in the challenge. How do you pass it? How do you pass it? You see, you look at the one who's in the know and you say, listen, you are my provider. You are my resource. You are my answer. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And I can imagine, imagine the Jews standing in front of the Red Seas, the Egyptians behind them, and they say, how are we going to get out of this? We don't know what to do. Well, how are we going to do this? You see, they were looking at the problem. But God was standing behind them, and he was already making a way through the Red Sea. You might be in a test this morning. Maybe you heard something from the doctor, from the lawyer, from this situation, and you say, how in the world am I going to get through this? You, you, you see the challenge, but you have to recognize that God is standing with you, and he can make a way through the Red Sea. You don't know how to navigate the wilderness, 
the children of Israel went into the, into the wilderness. They didn't know where they were going, but they had. But they had a cloud by day and a fire by night. You don't know. You don't know what, what you're going to do when you face the giant that stands before you. But God wants you to remember that he's the rock of your salvation that can crush the giants that are in your way. You don't know where your answers are going to come from. But you have to remember that God can send fire from heaven. You have to remember that God can answer you. You don't know where your provision is going to come from. But you've got to remember that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You don't know how your sick body is going to be made well. But I, had, I can tell you this morning that because of his sacrifice on the cross, he has crushed every sickness and every disease. You don't know how your marriage is going to make it and be restored. But I want you to know that he is the Prince of Peace. You don't know how your children are going to come back, how your grandkids are going to come back to God. But he sets captives free. Come on, give him praise in his house this morning. Hallelujah. You're in the test. He's in the know. You're in the test. He's in the know. So Philip turns to Jesus and he begins to count up how much money it's going to be to, 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 to feed all these people. You see, if Philip would just have stopped for a moment and, 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 and a little bit of understanding, he would have simply said, Jesus... We got all that we need because we have you. We have all that we need because we have you. I remember some years ago watching a commercial about Got Milk. Remember that commercial, Got Milk? Got Milk? You might say, well, pastor, I'm out of money. But you can say, got Jesus. I'm out of answers. Got Jesus. I'm out of hope. Got Jesus. I'm out of strength. Got Jesus. I'm out of ability. Got Jesus. I'm out of resources. Got Jesus. I'm out of peace. Got Jesus. There's an old song that we sing. We, not too much anymore. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather be faithful to his glorious plan. I'd rather hold to his nail-scarred hands. Have you got Jesus? Bow your heads with me. Have you got Jesus? If you've got Jesus, you've got all that you need. If you have Jesus, you have all that you need. If you have Jesus, you have all that you need. And this morning, if you don't have Jesus, you can receive him this morning. He's here. You're not here by accident or by chance, but you're here because God got you here. And he is your resource, but he's waiting for you to accept it. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you have any uncertainty about your eternity, about your future, about your life, and you've never prayed a prayer of forgiveness, and have you never prayed a prayer of salvation, I would count it a privilege to lead you in that prayer. It has nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's made provision for you. But he can't help you until you say yes to him. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? By praying a prayer of forgiveness. By praying a prayer of forgiveness. I'd like to lead you in that prayer. For that one that's here this morning, you're not sure, you're going through a lot, and you want to reestablish 
your relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you, you want to know that your sins have been forgiven. You want to know that you have a right standing with God this morning. If that's you this morning, then I want you to slip up your hand. No one's looking around. Just slip up your hand that we can pray together for a moment. Anyone here this morning? If you're not sure about your eternity, now is your moment. Now is your time. God wants you to know that he's the God of more than enough. God wants you to know that he's your provision. He's your provider. If you're not sure of that, we can pray together and God will answer your prayer. Hallelujah. Father, you see heads bowed. You see hands going up, oh God. And Father, I just pray that you would just make yourself so real. Lord, that as that person would just come, or those, that those individuals would just come and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you for, for forgiving me. I thank you for receiving me. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm your child, and I give you the praise. Father, make that prayer so real to each and every one of us that we can enter in with full assurance of faith that you're the God of more than enough. And even though we're living in, in, in testing uh, times of tests and times of problems, that we can have your joy and your peace and go forth from victory to victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah.